Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Well, here we are getting ready for the holidays. Actually, they began with Thanksgiving, and this is just a an offshoot of that, but a bit of a challenge for many of us, a lot of hustle and bustle, and also anxiety, anticipating dealing with friends and family. That can be a challenge sometimes in terms of interpersonal relationships. Then there can also be the the letdown. You know, you thought it was going to feel this way, but it didn't feel that way. There's a lot going on here. Time for a psychologist to break that all down and help us out with that. And she's a fantastic one. In fact, she also is an author of a couple of really great books that we've talked about in the past. And she's back with us. Dr. Ann Creekmore joins us on the program. And welcome. How are you? Good. How are you, Steve? Doing well. And yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm I'm in the New York area. I'm jumping on a train later on this afternoon, going into the city. And then there's a friend asked me to go shopping tomorrow, last minute stuff. Sure. Don't, don't really want to, but I said yes. Um, uh-huh. Just to support. Uh, but yeah, there's sure. there's a lot going on. How do we how do we manage all of that and still stay calm and grounded through all of this, this entire season? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I guess it, it goes back to the skills kind of we've talked about, you know, um, positive self-talk, um, mm. seeing things in the good, reframing them as, as the good, uh, breathing, you know, doing your breath work, kind of just breathe up and above and, you know, connect to good and, and just to that sense of inner peace, grounded with that. You know, the breath work, we've talked about that, so important, but I think a lot of times when we're in the moment, we forget about it, you know, especially you're on line at the store and there's a lot of people before you and you know, you've got to do this, this, that after that store. Just one example here. When you take that breath or three, you suddenly realize it's really not that bad. You know, things are okay here. Exactly. Exactly. It it can actually be an opportunity for a breather. You know, you're hustle bustling around and finally you are just standing still, you know, and you're in a line and you can take time to breathe in and think about the good or things you're grateful for and just get yourself in a, in a better place. You kind of slow down to, you know, break down to break through kind of. What about those situations where you encounter people that you have challenges with, or maybe they have challenges with you, you know, the holiday dinner is coming up. Yeah, friends and family flying in. It can be a challenge when you're sitting across from them and maybe you don't agree with their viewpoint or they're just trying to get at you and maybe a glass of wine gets involved in there. And how do we navigate that where where you have those challenges? You know, first of all, the anticipation of it is one thing and then dealing with it is another thing. So how do we navigate all of that? Well, I know I've had quite a few clients talk about that and, you know, upcoming family situations and, you know, concerns. And I think, you know, I think the 
best is to kind of view it as like, if you know there's some people that are just going to trigger you, you don't have to spend, a, there's always a number of people around. You don't have to just, you know, invite that, you know, spend time with the ones that you're, you know, you don't get to see your family, all of your family that much half the time anyway. And there's special ones, you know, their little granddaughter, a little niece or someone that you've really, you know, you want to spend that time with. Just go ahead and take, you know, focus in on what's important to you and don't worry about the other and just keep it polite and, and civil, you know, and enjoy the time. How do we, lack of a better description, walk away from those situations where you want to be respectful to the other person that uh, you might necess- not necessarily agree with, but also you don't want to engage with them? Uh, should you say something? Should you just ignore? Should you literally walk away? What do you think is the best way to handle a situation where, let's say, you both don't agree with each other on a particular topic? Whatever that, call it politics. That it was, you know, usually comes up. Right, right. Well, I mean, one thing that comes to my mind is um, sometimes is if you feel like someone is being narcissistic, mm-hmm. you can start to use what I uh, I've coined as narcissist speak which is if you actually feel hit, right? Like someone's flying an arrow at you out of the blue. It's kind of a sign that, um, that Mm. they really, that, that there's narcissism maybe going on. Like it doesn't make any sense. Say somebody runs into the room and starts yelling, you're so aggressive to you or something. Well, who's the person being aggressive in that situation, right? They run in the room and start telling you off that you're being aggressive. Well, so with narcissists speak, the language of narcissists, when people are in a narcissistic um, uh, mood or uh, way of interacting at that time, Mm -hmm. you just simply reverse the pronouns. Like, in other words, if that person ran up to you, you know, and they're listening from the next room and they hear you say something, you're so aggressive and they say something like that. And you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) I've been talking quietly here and you're in the room screaming at me. All you have to do is repeat back to them exactly what they just said, because people, when they're being narcissistic, can only see themselves kind of like they're wearing this trifold mirror around their head and they're looking in the mirror so they can hear what they said, but they're not even seeing you. So you can say all you have to do is reverse the pronouns. I call it PTSD because you kind of get PTSD when you're in that kind of an interaction. But. The, the, it's an acronym you use for P is for pause, T is for translate, the opposite, S is for state, the opposite, and then D is for just detach. So what? And so I'm going to give you just a little quiz, see if you can do this. Sure. If someone comes into you and you're having a nice conversation with somebody else and they run in during the Christmas party and say, you're so aggressive to you, then what would you say back to them? If you just pause... You translate it so what they really said was that they were aggressive. You say, you're so aggressive. And all you have to do is change the pronouns and say their exact sentence back. What would you, and then, you know, just say it to them and then don't say anything else. What exactly would you say? If someone says to you, you're so aggressive, what would you say back translating it? I know you are, but what am I? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or how about? One of us is, <laughs> but mm. no, I mean, if you're going to use an speak, what would you say then? 
Okay, just all you have to do is change the you to I or the I to you, the pronoun. That's it. All you do is change it because when a person is, uh, what happens when they're trying to make themselves look good, everything good's about them, everything bad's outside them. So if they know that they're doing something wrong, all they put it as you're doing it wrong and it just gets garbled. And you can help them hear themselves and understand what they really mean when you translate it. Kind of like if somebody's blind, you're trying to help them, you know, get up a step, you know, take the arm, you step up. You're helping that person who is not, is garbled, is using the defense mechanism splitting. So they say to you, you're so aggressive out of the blue. You say right back to them, you're so aggressive. Now, you don't have to argue with them. You don't have to say it. You can say it in a calm way. You don't just copy the way they say it, but you're just repeating their word. You just say, you're so aggressive. You know, you say, it comes, mm-hmm. you're so aggressive. You say, you're so aggressive. Mm-hmm. And do you know what they'll say then? They'll say, you're right. <laughs> because that's really what they were saying but they just didn't you know it got garbled by the splitting defense where like they're feeling that they're aggressive they're in here listening to your conversation taking what you said politically you know getting themselves in a tizzy ready to fight and they come in and say you're being aggressive but really they are right if they came in intruding this is fantastic so when, i love yeah. this um uh-huh. would you say it's a, a form of deflection they're deflecting away from themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've been in those yeah, situations absolutely. where even with an ex, where I would point out a situation, you know, uh, something that's happening, maybe they did something and it's, and I speak in facts. I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where the facts don't lie, try to remove the emotion and I'll mm-hmm. point something out. And instead of acknowledging right. what they may have done or did, they will find something else in me. Well, you, because exactly. you, you, you did this, but that's not exactly. the point. We're not talking about that, whether it's exactly. right or wrong. Usually it's just, they come up with something anyway, just to, to, to take the attention off themselves. Uh, right. Interesting. It, when you first asked me that question, I'm, I'm wired more as a fixer. So my first, if they said you're so aggressive, my first response would have been, I wonder why you feel that way. Or why do you feel that way? Because I want to, I want to analyze what's going on in their mind. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have flipped it around like that. Uh, I don't know the end technique. (laughs) Which would be perfect. I mean, if they were really, you know, uh, open to that, they weren't in a narcissistic state of mind, you know, like, and that could be it from anything. They could be in a kind of a mild bipolar two manic state or they could be drinking or you know um or they could just be narcissistic you know it doesn't matter whatever it is if they are in a narcissist state they're not listening to anything you have to say anyway Mm. they're just about what they're saying so if you try to approach them you know if you said that to the person and they thought about it and said well i'm glad you really asked and my underlying feeling under my anger is i'm feeling sad or about it you know they start to open up and start to get a you know you get at what's going on with them and help you know can understand them and help them but if they don't if they just get more defensive then you know they're just in a narcissistic frame of mind and you just got to use that realize they're not going to hear anything you have to say. They're just hearing what they have to say. So you can at least feed it back to them to help them hear 
what they're really saying. Mm. They're feeling maybe that they are in a riled up mood and they're projecting it out, you know, and then you can kind of help them understand, oh, yes, you, you know, you are, you're being very aggressive, you know, just what they said. And they will take it in. It will help them understand themselves that way. It's just a different way you're helping them understand themselves or explore themselves therapeutically. Wow. How do you deal? Mm -hmm. And thank you for that. Uh, I think we've all, we've all dealt with uh, people like that in the past. How, how do you deal with somebody who is just habitually not truthful? Let's say they have a past history of being dishonest and then you call them out Mm -hmm. on something uh, that they're, that they're not being honest or they're trying to skirt the truth or whatever it is. And you know, you know, it's the truth. They're just playing games again. How do you present that? That's a great question. I mean, I, I think that's that is a difficult one. I mean, if it's something like that, you can still use narcissists speak in the sense, you know, if they're because even in a sense they're lying. If like you're having a nice conversation with someone, they get irate in the next room and about something you send, they rush in, they tell you you're being aggressive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lie, right? I mean, it's not the truth. The truth of it was you were talking nicely and they're coming in intruding. So when you feed that back, the narcissist speak, you're actually helping them see what they're really saying. And they actually will say, you're right, you know, because they kind of will they get themselves if they ran in a room and started yelling at you, you know, and they'll say, yeah, that's right. So you can unravel a lie, which would ideally be the goal to help somebody get, you know, to the truth in a situation. Sure. Um, but suppose, so you're saying though, like, say someone is lying. Can you give me an example when I look at something in particular, uh, as a, a lie to look at when they're saying it and how, then maybe I can look at it a little better. Hmm. Um, well, let's say somebody has had a dishonest past, or maybe you just, you know, determined that they were dishonest and I, I, I can't think of an example top of my head. Uh, okay. but you know, let's say. They said they did something, you know, they were going to take care of something, but they never did. And you figured out, well, you never took care of it. Well, yeah, I did. No, you didn't. I just, you know, called the doctor and the doctor said that you didn't. Um, Right. It's, it's obvious. I'm, I'm, I'm talking in those obvious situations where. Got it. They're not being truthful. Got it. Okay. Uh, I guess there's behavioral arts. I think it is a YouTube. He's very good. I think he calls himself Spidey, but he's got like a background, you know, with studies in this type of, of uh, behavioral analysis and forensics and things like that, I believe. And so I'm, I'm kind of uh, taking it from him because it's really the best. I th- it, it works like a charm. Um, and you can watch him on YouTube too. Uh, he basically, when someone, you know, is you're trying that he presented a lot of interrogations, like there's a criminal and a police officer detectives trying to find out, did you commit this crime? Right. Well, no, I didn't commit any crime. You know, they're going to say so they're trying to somehow get them to open up and confess. Right. And the best way to get someone to confess to something is if you um I don't know how to put this exactly, but downplay the gravity of it and downplay the seriousness of whatever they did. 
Like in other words, or that it has any reflection on them as being a good person. Like if somebody get, you know, says something, you know, I called the doctor and I took care of that. And you said to them, well, you know, I really understand you. It's, you know, you've had an impossible day. You really didn't have a chance to get to it. You intended to get to it. And it's really, you know, and, and you understood how important it was. And I know you feel really, really badly that you did not make that phone call, you know, and it's totally understandable why you didn't make that phone call. Well, hmm. you know, the person with a like is going to say, yeah, you're right. You you're know? a liar. <laughs> they write that point. You're a liar. I gotcha. Yeah, goes, you're a liar. I knew it. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, you, if you, you, you drop you their defenses. It, you drop their defenses. Yeah. You just say, look, I'm totally open. You know, mm. I mean, once, you know, you're totally open to what you did. You did it with good purpose. You're a good person. Right. You know, they'll open up. Interesting. <laughs> what about those who are very defensive? Let's say you're, let's say you're in a relationship. I'll try and give example. You know, I'm trying to think of hypothetical sure, things here. Yeah. Um, let's say you're in a relationship and you you voice your opinion about a situation. Maybe you say, I, I just don't, I don't feel appreciated. You say to the other person uh-huh. and then uh-huh. the other person is one of those people that gets defensive no matter what. And there's a, you know, a lot of people do this from time to time where they, well, oh, now you're blaming me. That's my, my my fault that you don't feel appreciated. Well, maybe you're not appreciating them. (laughs) Maybe that's why they're bringing it up. Uh, Right. For people who are very defensive, how can you deal with that? Like when they, you can't even speak with them, they'll get defensive no matter what. Or, Or those people that they'll always think that it's their fault or you're telling them it's their fault. When in reality, if we look at the whole situation, if somebody's saying, I don't feel, sometimes I don't feel appreciated. It's really on the person that's saying that. Maybe the other person is appreciating them. And the person that's saying, I don't feel appreciated, uh, it's their perception. Maybe they're wrong, right? Right. But the other person may flip out and say, you know, it's it's me. It's always me. You're always saying something. I'm always doing something wrong. Uh, Right. What kind of language do you use in those situations? Right. That's a good question, you know, because, I mean, it would be nice to have the the response of, oh, I'm sorry. You know, what did I do that made you feel that way? Or what is, what do you mean by appreciate? What would, you know, what are you looking for? Or or even, exactly. Even it could be just as simple as in, in that example, the other person saying, I don't know why you feel that way, but I do appreciate you. Instead of getting right, all right. defensive say, like, about yeah, it. I'm, right. Just to say, I'm really sorry. I really appreciate you. And I want you to know I do appreciate you. Right. And that would be easily, you know, uh, rem- kind of somewhat remedy the situation, um, at least at the moment, level the playing field. I hear you saying that's not my intention for you to feel that way. And I'm sorry. Right. That would be an empathic response. Um, but then you get, if you get a defensive response, well, of course, what comes to my mind right now are the two things we've talked about. One would be, you know, if they said something negative back to you, you could just repeat it, change the pronouns. Hmm. If they say, you know, you're always blaming me, you could say, Maybe that's exactly what they do and why you don't feel appreciated. If they say, you're always blaming me, you could say, 
you're always blaming me. It's like they just brought up the example of how why you don't feel appreciated. You know, mm. instead of appreciating what you just did, they're blaming you. Some little thing went wrong on it, and you get blamed without credit. So you, that's one thing you could use narcissist to be. Sure. Um, the other would be, you know, to use the other to, you know, to say, I really know you're super busy and you're just really stressed out with this other, you know, whatever they are. Mm. And I know that you love me and you really want me to feel appreciated, you know. And but then, you know, when you didn't say that, you know, I know you have I understand why you didn't say you thank me for that, you know, and then they might say, oh, OK, thank you, <laughs> you know, because either one of those what we talked about, you could kind of try in the situation. What is that technically called when you're doing those things? Is it is it really reverse psychology in some some ways? Well, it's a good question. Uh I mean, the narcissist speak was kind of sort of my creation to some extent from working with so many people. Mm. I mean, including, you know, people, not just clients. I'm talking about people, you know, sure. learning and so on. Uh, and so I call that narcissist speak. And it's in my book. It's in chapter oh, okay. um, seven create healthy relationships. There's like eight, nine pages on narcissism, which could stem from anything under the sun. You know, it could stem from, you know, substance abuse going on or bipolar things going on or, or being having some early developmental narcissistic development person, so on and so on. Um, but that's, so that part that I told you about the narcissist speak is kind of original that I brought that I bring to the table. So I do have a question and- about that. Uh, when it comes, this is what I heard: when you're dealing with a narcissist, it's always best to present the facts because okay. they can't deny the facts. I mean, I guess they could, but the facts, uh-huh. you know, like I, I've said before, the facts speak for themselves. That's what I heard. That you're always you always want to just put the facts in front of them. Really? Okay. Well, then what about this? You know, maybe it's documented or whatever the case may be. What are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Well, well, I mean, if they're defensive, though, what you're going to get is a defensive reaction, right? Hmm. And if they're in a narcissistic state of mind where they feel they have to look good all the time, their whole effort is into the addictiveness of getting attention or getting credit or being seen as good, they're going to twist it probably to some extent to make it look like they're the best one still and the other one's not. So I, I don't know. A lot of times I don't, I don't see the facts necessarily actually. I mean, of course the facts is the right way to go. I mean, if you're kind of having a normal conversation, but if you're with someone who's not in that state of mind i don't know no, that nothing's gonna nothing's going to get through <laughs> right, <laughs> that's kind of right. what, what i'm Just feeling stay with their viewpoint feed it back to them in a very small way, just a small repetition of their words, but just change it so they can maybe take it in sure or make it such that they feel so great you know like you're wonderful you got this you got that in your plate you didn't do that you wanted to do that so sorry you couldn't do that you know it's like the example we were given earlier and they feel so puffed up you know they'll admit that they didn't do something um so i don't know hmm. you can try you know but but i'm seeing your week. point <laughs> you know that if if you if you can't get through to them the facts aren't going to go you know it's like it's going to go right. nowhere 
you know? It's almost like they got a trifold mirror, like a block of wood sometimes around their head where they're not even going to see. They're not hearing you. Right, right. Wow. Uh, interesting stuff. I can't believe we're out of time. That like just flew by. <laughs> we could just, you know, keep, <laughs> I could keep going with different scenarios and situations. Yes, yes. We we dealt it. with these before, you know. A lot of us have been in these situations and not really, not really sure how to navigate them. Um, right. If somebody is dealing with those challenges, uh, maybe in their personal or work relationships, and and need some help, uh, how do we connect with you, Ann? Sure. Um, my main website is psychologistsinvirginia.com, all spelled out. And that pretty much has all my information on it. And I'm getting another one around my book, uh, the Love Your Life Healing Center, uh, dot com. And that is uh, another source and where you can find my books and so on. Well, I have to honestly tell you that I missed the uh, chapter on narcissism. So I'm going to have to go back to the book. Okay, great. <laughs> and look that one up. Great relationships. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. it's, uh, you know, maybe it's a buzzword in the last couple of years, but yeah, somehow narcissism has uh, risen to the pack of, of, of interpersonal relationship challenges. I don't know why that is. Um, but, but I, I do find it interesting, you know, in terms of what, uh, how people, how people act and then they, uh, and they work in their minds. Um, Absolutely. And it's not to, it's not to judge them. You know, a lot of times you can almost see way something about yourself through them, learn something or just learn better communication skills, higher level communication skills. It's just something for you to grow. Look at it like that. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for, for being with us once again and uh, truly appreciate it. And happy holidays to you and your family too. Yeah. Same to you all. Thank you. Look forward (laughs) next time we get together. Yes, me too. Sweet. We'll be right back. Thank you. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn those earrings today. I like those earrings. Gabby has those awesome earrings. I need to ask her where she got those, but that's just what she would want me to do. I'll have Michaela ask her for me. Buckle up, Sarah. Yeah, but then Michaela will be like, why don't you just ask her yourself? That's just like Michaela. Sarah, buckle up. Michaela's such a great name. I wish I was called Michaela. There's like a dozen Sarahs in my class. Hey, we're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah. Seatbelt. I forget sometimes because my brain is, like, busy, you know? I wonder if there's pizza at school today. Sometimes it can be tough to get through to your kids, but it's not impossible. Always make sure they're wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Remember, you have the keys, you have the power. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information.